We are in Proverbs chapter 6. So let me read and uh, then we'll pray. Proverbs 6.1, My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor or entered into an agreement with a stranger, you have been trapped by the words of your lips, ensnared by the words of your mouth. Do this then, my son, and free yourself. For you have put yourself in the neighbor's power. Go humble yourself and plead with your neighbor. Don't give sleep to your eyes or slumber to your eyelids. Escape like a gazelle from a hunter, like a bird from a fowler's trap. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without a leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer and gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, you need, uh, your need like a bandit. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes around speaking dishonestly, winking his eyes, signaling with his feet and gesturing with his fingers. He always plots evil with perversity in his heart. He stirs up trouble. Therefore, calamity will strike him suddenly. He will be shattered instantly beyond recovery. What, the Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble against brothers. My son, keep your father's command and don't reject your mother's teaching. Always bind them to your heart, tie them around your neck. When you walk here and there, they will guide you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you wake up, they will talk to you. For a command is a lamp, teaching is a light, and corrective discipline is a way of life. They will protect you from an evil woman, from the flattering tongue, from a stranger. Don't lust in your heart for her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyelashes. For a prostitute's fee is only a loaf of bread, but an adulteress goes uh, after a precious life. Can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk on burning coals without scorching his feet? So it is with one who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. People don't despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is hungry. Still, if caught, he must pay seven times as much. He must give up all, his wealth, all the wealth of his house. The one who commits adultery lacks sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. He will get a beating and dishonor, and his disgrace will never be removed. For jealousy enrages a husband, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not be appeased by anything or be persuaded by lavish gifts. Let's pray. Father, as we consider uh, the lessons that are here in Proverbs chapter 6, we ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds and uh, to understand them and to put them into uh, application and practice in our lives. Uh, may we walk in a way that's pleasing to you. Amen. So um, I wasn't exactly sure how to start this one because each of the chapters has started out with, my son, listen to my words and all that kind of stuff. And so 
This goes right into the first topic. So I basically said this is the Father's sixth lesson continued. And then uh, on the second side of your uh, outline, you will see um, the seventh lesson in uh, the latter half of the chapter. Um, That's how I've been trying to do the lessons. So here we go. Uh, The financial lesson that he brings out here in verses 1 through 5, becoming surety for a stranger. The description, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you, have, uh, you are snared, or if you will, taken by the words of your mouth. Uh, he actually says the same thing twice. One time he uses the word snared, the other time he uses the word taken. Uh, the word for uh, a pledge or a surety is arab, uh, means to braid. Now, those of you that have daughters or those that have seen girls with braids, you understand there's uh, three strands and they f- fold over one another. Uh, sometimes there might be two or, or more, who knows? Uh, you know, I never got into that, especially with my hairline. Uh, but uh, the idea is this crossing over, this being co-joined in a sense, to intermix, to traffic as if by barter, also to give to be security. Basically, this is the idea of signing, uh, being a co-signer on a loan, okay? Uh, If the one that has borrowed the money cannot pay it back, you're basically saying that you'll take care of it. So if you have done that, he says, deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Uh, Go and humble yourself, plead with your friend. Basically, you've put yourself in a position where he may be able to ruin you depending on how much he doesn't pay. Uh, I know of several families where dad co-signs a loan for a a child, and then uh, the child that has this nice car goes out, gets into an accident, and then the loan still needs to be paid because, well, the drop of value, as soon as you pull it out of that parking lot, drops in such a way that enough payments have not been made. So, okay, we total the car, we get an insurance uh, check. It doesn't cover the cost of the loan. So who's responsible for the rest of that money? Well, obviously the child. And when I say child, they're adults, but, you know, they're just getting started. And uh, the kid looks at it this way. I don't have a car. Why pay the loan? So who gets stuck with it? Dad. Um, yeah, I, I've heard several stories like that. And it uh, usually does not, it's not conducive for good relationships. Uh, so that's the idea there. He says, go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Uh, this is how important this is. Uh, Psalm 132.4 says, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. So that may have been where Solomon got this. Um, He goes on to say, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler, one who is hunting birds. You want to get away from that thing as quick as possible. Uh, Now, notice in today's day and age with legal contracts and stuff like that, you might not be able to just go to your friend and say, hey, you know, I really don't uh, like this thing. Uh, so could you work it out where they were to sell the vehicle, 
pay off the loan. And because they paid off the loan, then maybe they'd be able to get a loan on their own, that kind of a thing. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but it's best just not to get yourself into that situation, as Solomon is pointing out here. Uh, the next section is laziness. He says, learn from the ant. In Job twelve seven, it says, but now ask the beast, and they will teach you, and the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Jeff, you've raised chickens, you've raised lambs, and you've got some dogs. Uh, anything else? Ducks, rabbits, do they teach you anything? The reality is they really do. It's not as though you're talking to them, but you learn a lot about how things work when you're raising animals. Um, If you go to the Museum of Natural History in New York City, uh, they have a section where they're getting into the natural sciences and they quote some scientists from the 1800s, and it basically is the same kind of thing. If you talk to nature and listen, it'll teach you all kinds of things. I don't know if you've seen those pictures on Facebook where they have uh, looking up at a tree from the ground, and you see all the branches, and then you see a lung and what it looks like on the inside. Kind of like, wow, those two go together, and then fingerprints and tree rings and, and things like that. We can learn an awful lot from nature if we're willing to uh, learn and listen. Uh, so consider her ways and be wise. Her ways. Uh, this is how it describes her ways, the ant. She has no captain, overseer, or ruler, and yet she provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Uh, there are those people that dislike the Bible enough that will say, when you look at the ants, they're normally carrying seed pods, as in baby ants, from one place to another. And that is the case in some cases. But let's face it, ants store their food in the ground so that when it's snowy outside, when it's cold, when it's not conducive for their living, they have what's necessary already prepared for them. So he goes on, continue in your ways and suffer the consequences. That's actually my line there. But he goes on to say, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. That's quoted from, uh, uh, well, Proverbs 24, 33 to 34 uh, talks about it again. But uh, he goes on to say, So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Before I uh, read some verses for you, I'd like you to consider teenagers. Do teenagers sleep a little bit more than the average bear? Uh, Yeah. Did you know that they're growing while they're sleeping? And they usually need more sleep than maybe a younger kid or maybe an older uh, adult, a young person, that kind of a thing. Um, I remember Jonathan was like that. Jonathan always needed more sleep than the other boys did. The other boys would stay up late and get up early and it didn't bother them so much. That's probably because they take after me. Jonathan needed more sleep. 
Uh, Jonathan is not lazy by any, by any stretch of the imagination. He just needed more sleep. Uh, then he married a woman that uh, likes to stay up late. And they've had to make those adjustments to each other, but uh, he still needs uh, more sleep than maybe uh, Daniel does. But the reality is sleep as a teenager does not indicate laziness. Laziness as a teenager might indicate laziness. <laughs> uh, there is a little bit of a difference here. Uh, Proverbs 10.4 says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 13.4, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during the harvest and have nothing. Uh, so basically, over and over and over again, the Scripture teaches you need to be about the business of doing what's necessary uh, to take care of business. Um, one of the difficulties we have with benevolence is people that come in and need help. Why do we help them? Well, the Bible says it is the responsibility of God's people to help the poor and the needy. Who are the poor and the needy? Since the Bible teaches that, shouldn't every church be doing this? Well, their difficulty is right there with who are the poor and the needy. Well, uh, I, we take into, uh, into account a few things. Number one, are they doing what they can for themselves? The Bible says if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. In other words, he's got to do what he can for himself, and then if he runs short, you come alongside and help. That's not a problem. Uh, many of the people that come in are not employed. They may have been employed or they may not have been employed. So if they've not been employed, does that eliminate them? Well, then you go and you look at income. You find out, oh, they're on Social Security disability. So what's their disability? Well, when, when Barack Obama was president, one of the things they had to do because uh, the Republicans were saying, no, we're not just going to be giving out welfare for the rest of their life. There's work requirements and stuff like that, is they started putting a lot of people that were on welfare over into Social Security disability. And what did it take to get into that? Just got to have the right words. Well, I suffer from ADHD. I have asthma. Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm bipolar. Any number of things. Now, the reality is, is for many of these people, they've been taught the lie and they believe the lie. So do you just leave them out there to suffer the consequences of believing the lie? Well, in some cases, you don't have to worry about it because they've believed the lie to $3,500 electric bills. At that point, there's not a thing we can do for them. At that point, the state will come along, pay off their whole bill, and how did it get to $3,500 in the first place? Well, the state won't let them be shut off when the medium temperature is above this or below that. So the electric company has two months of the year that they send out disconnect notices, April 1st and I think October, uh, and that way we can start gathering some of that money, and then when they don't get all the money, LIHEAP comes along and pays off all the bills that people didn't pay anything on in six months. So just because they're not working 
even though probably could, I start looking at, have they been making any payments at all? Normally, uh, I'll see they're making $733 a month. Their rent is $650. You need to get on housing, because housing, they may only pay $8. They may pay $200. Um, well, I've had my name on the waiting list for a year. Yeah, whenever the government does something that it's not supposed to do, they're very inefficient, and it always costs more. So uh, those are some of the things that you have to face. So when you're dealing with the concept of laziness, you have to see that people are actually lazy, that their intent is to live off the system, and... Uh, if they're doing what they can for themselves, but within that they're believing all kinds of lies, it's kind of like, okay, do you just leave them hanging? And again, like I say, sometimes that takes care of itself. Uh, so we don't always have the answers, but we do try and help the ones that we can. Let her see the wicked, 12 to 19. The wicked's description, well, as far as the eternal perspective, he is a worthless person. He has no value when it comes to uh, the eternal perspective. Uh, physical characteristics are listed here as he walks with a perverse mouth. Uh, one of the difficulties I find in uh, social media is in this day and age, cursing using what we used to consider the worst of the language is just so common that it's kind of like, okay, we can just pass that one up. Uh, but he walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. Uh, let me read a couple of verses. Why does your heart carry you away? And uh, what do your eyes wink at? So you see that there, the heart is carried away by something and there's winking involved. Psalm 35, 19, let them not rejoice over me who are wrongfully my enemies, let them, uh, let, nor let them wink with the eye who hate me without a cause. Now David, being a righteous person, not that he always lived it out, but being a righteous person, recognizes that some people that are winking are wrongfully his enemies. Uh, in other words, they've chosen to be on an opposite side for no good reason at all. They hate David for no good reason. Proverbs 10.10, He who winks with the eye causes trouble but a prating fool will fall. So when we talk about he winks with his eyes, this guy is not uh, doing it like, hey, honey, you know, that kind of thing. He's uh, a wicked person. Goes on to say he shuffles with his feet. The picture I get is someone who may have been confronted about something that they've done wrong. They're probably looking down and, and they're doing this. They're not going to give an answer uh, or uh, admit what they've done wrong. And he points with his fingers. Uh, so we see that he's probably pointing with his fingers in the sense of, wasn't me, it was that guy over there not taking responsibility. And then, of course, there's internal characteristics. Let me read a couple more verses. A false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. And then Micah 2.1, Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds, at morning light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Uh, so internal characteristics, perversity in his heart. He devises evil continually, and he sows discord. Um, this next section 
it is interesting because I thought, wow, if this doesn't describe many of our politicians in this day and age, uh, go with me and see. So notice his end, the wicked person's end, and the why of his end. The end is sudden calamity. He's going to be broken without remedy. Second Chronicles 36.16 says, But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, till there was no remedy. I'm amazed at how many people I see on social media that Jesus was not God. Uh, he did not die to pay for sins and, and so on and so on and so forth. It's kind of like, wow, you guys are, you're going to get it one of these days. The end is going to come and then you're going to wish you were of a different mindset. Now the why. Who God hates, this next section. Physical characteristics, a proud look. You ever notice, most people will say that uh, Trump is arrogant. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, some of the things he says, obviously. I mean, everything is going to be the best, the super, because he's doing it. Okay? But go back to the previous president. Every picture you've ever seen of him. His nose is up in the air. He's looking like he's looking at heaven. I am something. That, uh, 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 the proud look. Uh, a couple of verses there. Psalm 18.27, For you uh, will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. Psalm 101.5, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. And the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. So you can see where God hates that kind of a thing. How about a lying tongue? Uh, you know, God, well, Jesus put it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And obviously, Jesus being God, God the Father, uh, is going to be uh, the same thing. He's going to be truth. So the lying tongue he hates. Uh, Psalm 120, verses 2 to 3. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Isaiah 1.15, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Uh, so that one is actually the next one down. Um, hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, apparently I missed a verse in there, but that's okay. You can look them up yourself. So a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, again, we sit there and say, well, you know, none of our Congress people have ever murdered anyone or anything like that. Well, first of all, I wouldn't assume that. But, but second of all, think about some of the policies that are done that do cause difficulties. If we were just to go back and look at what we have found out about the last three years. Now, I know some people, they bought into the COVID and everything that the, the medical people, the scientific people said, and other people didn't. Irregardless of what side of that fence you were on, they are now seeing where 95% of the deaths that they said were from COVID were not. 
And then they also are now saying and, and recognizing if they put people on a, um, if they intubated them where they put them on a breathing machine, the chances of living through that were like 6%. 94% of the people they did that to ended up dying. Now, there were a couple of different reasons. It wasn't just the machine. Uh, the remdesivir. Uh, they, when that drug first came out, it was causing exactly the same problems that it caused to people that had to take it this time. And you would have thought, well, we killed enough people the first time. No, apparently we didn't because we needed to give it out to people again. And it's kind of like, I told Lynn, I go, look, if either one of us end up having to go into the hospital because of COVID, these are two things that, no, absolutely not. If one of us dies because we're, we didn't do it, okay, God will take care of us, okay? Uh, because uh, I'm sorry, but these things were lies. And, and sure, we're finding out about them now, but the reality is, is when I heard they were given remdesivir again, kind of like, why? That stuff kills people. It actually causes them to drown because it shuts down the kidneys and then liquid builds up in their body. And before they know it, they're drowning in their own fluids. So it's just, and notice uh, the next page here, their feet are swift in running to evil. Isaiah 59, 7. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Romans 3, 15, a, a quote of that. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Um, let me see. How many presidents have we had where we didn't get involved in a war or were involved in a war at one time or another? And the reality is, is uh, Trump was the only one that didn't get us involved in something or, or that kind of thing. Yes, we were still in Afghanistan, but he actually was the one that worked out the details as far as getting us out, but it ended up happening after he left. So I'm sorry, the getting out is still Biden's fault. But what did we do as soon as we got out of that thing? Let's go over to Ukraine. Why? Well, Russia invaded them, and that's terrible. And there might be some other reasons for that. Uh, many of them being money, some of them being political. Um, so, but they're swift in running to evil. Uh, internal characteristics of this wicked person. A heart that devised wicked plans. Uh, back in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, and there it is. Uh, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, I, I really think that one of the difficulties that we have in the church is we don't think that that applies to us. We know people that it applies to. Most of them are in Washington. No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> some are in Washington. Uh, but the, the reality is, is this is what we are in Adam. Our thoughts are only evil continually. And, and if you think that, well, no, mine weren't. Uh, I was raised in a good home and stuff like that. It was the grace of God that didn't allow you to show yourself for who you really were. Because that's what's true about us uh, before Christ. Um, 
the second internal characteristic, a false witness who speaks lies. Uh, Psalm 27, 12, Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. Proverbs 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Uh, 19.9, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Uh, So you can see that God hates a false witness who speaks lies. Uh, And one who sows discord among the brethren. Uh, Proverbs uh, Proverbs 6.14 here. And I missed that one. Well, shame on me. Well, that's I know why I missed it, because it's right in this very chapter. Uh, you can go back and look at that. Uh, now, please understand something. When we talk about someone that's sowing discord among the brethren, this is people that ought to have a certain amount of unity, uh, a certain amount of conformity, etc. And uh, they're the ones that are trying to divide. Well... Let me see. Look at the state of our country in today's day and age. Who is responsible for the division between black and white? Who's responsible for the division between women and men? Who's responsible for the division between rich and middle class or middle class and the poor? I'm sorry if you consider what the politicians have been saying for the last who knows how many years they're the ones that have sown this stuff. Now, there might be a reason, $33 trillion of debt, that they would do such a thing, because if we're all hating each other down here, then we're too busy with that to deal with them when they're, hey, let's see if we can get a little bit deeper in debt. Uh, Things to consider there. That's why I say that passage just sounds like, uh, in many cases, politicians. Now, it's not referring to politicians, These are the things that God hates. He finds them detestable, and it can be within any number of people, people groups. And uh, it just seems to be exemplified when we look at some politicians. So number two, the Father's seventh lesson. Why do I start the seventh lesson here? Well, notice, listen, my son. Okay, he starts out that same way again. Now, who is he going to listen to? Well, he's going to listen to, Keep your father's command. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Both Proverbs 1.8 as well as Ephesians 6.1 basically uh, call for the child to obey their parents, and that's what he's doing here. Number two, uh, until uh, it is part of you. Uh, keep your father's commands. Don't forsake the law of your mother until they are a part of you. Notice, bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. Now, we're going to see why in a few minutes. But in the meantime, let me read a couple of verses for you. Uh, Proverbs 3.3, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So, uh, Proverbs 7.3, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Uh, so make it a part of you. That's uh, what I want you to catch there. And like I say, we're going to see uh, in letter C why this is so important. The benefits of listening uh, to your parents. Uh, when you roam, they will lead you. Notice, not if, 
Now, he, when he says Rome, he might be referring to the concept of traveling, but the reality is, is we're on a path. And there are times when we might slip off that path. And if you listen to your parents, what they've taught you, they will lead you back onto that path. When you sleep, they will keep you. Who would like to go down to the bus station in St. Louis and, and nap uh, this evening? Uh, not a wise thing, though many have to. Uh, because of their circumstances. But again, we can talk about uh, how they got in those circumstances, stuff like that. But when they sleep, they'll keep you. Lord willing, you're, uh, you've learned things from mom and dad that when it comes time to sleep, you're going to be in a place of safety. That's the idea there. And then let her see, when you awake, they will speak to you. Uh, a couple of verses from Scripture again, Proverbs 2.11, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. Proverbs 3, 23 and 24. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Uh, that, those are the benefits of listening to mom and dad. Now, here's the why you should listen to mom and dad. A couple of verses, Psalm 19:8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening your eyes. What did God say? Obey mom and dad. So there's some truth there. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Notice he says in letter A here, for the commandment is a lamp. Mom and dad's commandments should be should have some scriptural basis. Why? Because the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are, a, are the way of life. Now, what on earth does that mean? Well, it's easy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith, though it be much more precious than gold, that's the Peter version, the James version is, the testing of your faith, uh, faith produces endurance, patience, the ability to glorify God in the situation a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. So very often the tests that we go through are the, if you will, reproofs. They're trying to instruct us. And this is a way of life. You don't ever get to a point where there isn't another trial, another lesson to learn. The reproofs of life, uh, of instruction, are a way of life. Uh, that's what the scripture teaches. If we have that mentality, then as we go through tests, we're going to understand, okay, God's trying to teach me something here. What am I to learn? So that brings us to letter B. Submission to parents or lack of it is directly related to sexual promiscuity. And you sit there and say, how on earth did you get that out of these verses? Well, let's take a look. Uh, first of all, uh, we see salvation from. A couple of uh, verses here. Proverbs 2.16. To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Verse 22. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. 5.3. The lips of the immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. 7.5. That they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatterers from her words. 
So the reality is, is if you're listening to mom and dad, it will save you or keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of the seductress. Notice, though, it's not just a matter of listen to mom and dad and everything will be kosher. There is some personal responsibility here. It says, do not lust after her beauty in your heart. In Matthew 5, 28, uh, I think it's 26, 27, 28, Jesus says, You have heard it said of them who are of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, if a man looks at a woman and lusts after her, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. So there is responsibility on the uh, young man's part that he not lust after her beauty, nor let her allure you with her eye, eyelids. A uh, whole point being is, you know, we may find ourselves in a situation where there is a woman of questionable character and she may display her goods, she may flatter, she may uh, flash her little eyelids, uh, but you still have to say no. Um, Lynn and I were talking this afternoon. <clears throat> uh, I was r running through some newspapers on the uh, uh, laptop and, oh, there's one of these model girls that uh, she's making $3,600 a week on OnlyFans. Only and you go, what's OnlyFans? I'm glad you asked. Now, if you asked, it's because you don't know, and that's good. Uh, but the reality is, is, you know, back in the day, we had Penthouse, Playboy, and stuff like that. Uh, be honest with you, I haven't seen any of those magazines in years, have no idea. I know Playboy isn't producing what they used to produce anymore. I have no idea about the rest, and I'm fine with that. But the reality is we hardly ever talk about the concept of pornography in the church because, well, some guys might get embarrassed or, you know, I can't believe you talked about that in front of kids. It's kind of like, oh, please. Uh, they, they need to be aware. I mean, how many times has the Father said, it'll keep you from already here, and we're only in chapter 6. Uh, but... When, when that kind of pornography that we used to use isn't available anymore, can we say the devil is always about the business of making sure that something else is? And you know, if some men are listening to me and they are subscribers to OnlyFans, uh, might I suggest to you that you are committing adultery in your heart? Uh, because that's what Jesus says. These girls on OnlyFans, it's not like... You know, they're all social media. You got some girls that feel as though they got to put out the bikini picture or something like that, which is bad enough. But um, the reality is, is OnlyFans is just the pornographic side of all of that. Uh, it may not have uh, some of the acts and stuff like that. Again, I have no idea. I've never seen it. I'm just saying that this girl is making $3,600 a week. She's got lots of subscribers at so much per month. And when I say so much, I'm talking about, uh, well, I don't know, to be honest with you, but I, I've seen eight, I've seen 20. Uh, but she's got a lot of subscribers if she's making $3,600 a week, okay? And she's one of how many? So this obviously is a very prevalent sin in this country, and how is it related to not obeying your parents? Well, if you obey your parents, it keeps you from that evil woman, but you still have personal responsibility. 
Okay? And that brings us to the why. For the, by the means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. Uh, Psalm 29.3, Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. Um, so it reduces him to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Let's face it, these immoral women, uh, it's not about relationship with them. It is about what they can get out of the guy. And if it ruins his life, do you think they're concerned about it? Not a bit. Because all that matter uh, matters to them is what they're going to get out of it. So the cost of adultery, verses 27 to 29, they cannot escape the consequences. The question of reason. Uh, so Solomon puts forth to his son, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Reminds me of a missionary that was down in Suriname, uh, South America, and uh, he was starting to make headway with uh, the gospel in this particular tribal situation. And so the witch doctor called the regional witch doctor to come in and uh, get the people back in line. And so the witch doctor uh, walked on some hot coals and danced on some glass and... Uh, the missionary, by the way, this was not a charismatic missionary. This was a Baptist, very strict, legalistic type Baptist um, guy. Uh, he's praying, Lord, you know, we're just making headway. What are we going to do? And he, he believes he was led by the Lord to go down there where the uh, witch doctor was and walk on the glass. And he goes, you know, to be honest with you, my first step, I was very, very ginger about how I was stepping on that glass. But when nothing happened, I jumped a little bit more and then jumped a little bit more. And then I was challenged by the witch doctor to walk on the hot coals, and so I did. Well, the people, when the witch doctor had been doing it, the people all said, the demon is on the witch doctor. The demon is on the witch doctor. They actually knew where the power was coming from to do this kind of thing. So when they saw the missionary doing it, they were saying, the demon is on the missionary, the demon is on the missionary, at which point he got off the coals, he stopped, and he goes, everybody, I want you to understand something. This was not the power of the demon. This was the power of God. He did not have to do this for you, but he did it so that you might believe on his son because that, the demon and the witch doctor and all that, that is the kind of stuff that God hates. And if you're going to follow that, you're going to live with the consequences thereof. And so when we come back here to this passage, um, no man can take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Uh, the reality is, as the, witch, the missionary said, the next day they came knocking at his door. This is how you knock at someone's door in South America. And uh, they said, hey, missionary, come on up here. Let's see your feet. Was your God able to protect you? And he got out of bed and he goes, my feet hurt like crazy. But he went outside and he showed him his feet. There was no burns on his feet. Can God do that? Sure, God can do that. But can a man do that? And the answer is no. Okay? So that's the question of reason. Now the logical conclusion. So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Wow. 
So that bring us, brings us to the people's perspective in verses 30 through 35. Uh, what about the thief? Well, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving, when he's hungry. Yet, when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. That's what the law says. He must have to give up, uh, he may have to give up all of his substance of his house. So the idea is this guy is a, a regular guy, but been out of work for a while, and they were working day to day. He's hungry, so he steals something, he gets caught. Now he loses his bed, his table, whatever the case may be, uh, though uh, they did take care of his stomach. So that's the people's perspective of the thief. What about the adulterer? Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Proverbs 7, 7, we'll look at next week. And I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a man devoid of understanding. Notice he lacks understanding and in so doing, committing adultery, he ultimately destroys his own soul, it says. Number two, wounds and dishonor he will get and his reproach will not be wiped away. This is uh, the verse that uh, Dr. Uh, John MacArthur refers to when he talks about pastors who have fallen into adultery. They can never be a pastor again because their reproach never leaves, according to Proverbs. Um, that's one of those things that I'm just telling you what is said. I haven't studied it well enough myself, but it sure sounds like that to me. Um, Oh, next thing, jealousy is a husband's fury. He will not spare in the day of vengeance. Uh, you know, years ago, we used to have um, legal concepts of passion that allowed for, in a situation like that, if you killed the man that had committed adultery with your wife, oh, well, he, I guess he deserved it is basically the legal approach to that situation. Call it a, a, a crime of passion or whatever, but they made allowance for that. Uh, the, the man would not have been uh, tried, etc., because, well, the Bible says he's not going to spare on the day of vengeance. Uh, he will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give him many gifts. Uh, it is interesting that in this day and age when body count, as I spoke of last week, is something that so many women and some men uh, brag about, uh, the Bible shows over and over and over again that when you get yourself into those situations, somehow it is directly related to you didn't listen to mom and dad. Because though I believe in today's day and age there are dads and moms that yeah, whatever, okay? But the reality is, is when you know those kinds of things, you want to protect your kids from those kinds of things. Somewhere in the rush, there's going to be some teaching on it. Uh, but it, it is amazing to me how the lack of conscience that people have about this very subject. Now, again, I come from a background where the teaching wasn't good, I was rebellious, I did get involved in these kinds of things, but I also have come a long way in my walk with the Lord where I understand how much damage it does to a person. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 that if anyone sins in this way, he sins against his own body. And so if you're a parent, I suggest that you teach your kids well. If you're a kid, listen to your mom and dad and stay away from the easiest area for you to fall in. That's what I got to say. We'll hear a little bit more about that next week. And then the subject topic will calm down a little bit and we'll study about wisdom. (laughs) Okay, let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the warnings that you give us, for the reproofs of instruction that we go through day in and day out throughout our life. Thank you, Lord, that you have not uh, chosen to just let us get saved and go to heaven, but you are about the business of conforming us to the image of your Son, who is wisdom for us. Uh, We would ask that you would open our hearts and our eyes to the things that you're trying to teach us, that we would uh, learn, get wisdom and get understanding so that uh, we may be preserved for your honor and glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Have a good week. See you, Lord willing, on Wednesday.